News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like Megan Sillar, Thomas Connolly, Zoe Christie, A Rational Fear, Alan Halstead, and hopefully you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah, that's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H, to support the podcast, where you can access my regular books, TV, movie, and podcast recommendations, short stories I've written, free tickets to my next comedy festival shows, or long, unhinged rants about whatever's bothering me now and then. I'll see you there. Top Stories of the Week Persian Coercion Makes Protests Worsen also, Putin's rootin' for Russian repercussion. This is News Weekly, and Adam Levine sliding into all our DMs right now. Hello, I'm Sammy Shah, and this is News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Hijab burning is the bra burning of the 2022's news now. In the last few days, the streets of Iran have been filled with protesters calling for an end to the brutal authoritarian regime comprised of bearded dickbags and cockknuckles who think their entire purpose of existing is to police how much hair a woman shows. People are on the streets for a sixth day of protests. It's believed those protests have now spread to up to 80 cities across the country. This is all after a young woman died after being arrested for allegedly violating the country's strict dress code for women. That woman was 22-year-old Masa Amini, a Kurdish Iranian who was visiting Tehran with her family. Now, Iran has mandatory hijab laws, which means women have to have their head covered at all times. It's important to note that this law is based on Islamic teachings. Defenders of the law point out how the Quran, which is the word of God, and the Hadith, which is the word of the Prophet Muhammad, both prescribe the hijab. Critics, however, do point out that the entire thing is a load-up made of bullshit and if you believe in it, you're a fucking moron who needs to grow up and read an actual book for once and stop dedicating your life to the teachings of a bunch of Arab traders from the 7th century who threw together some badly written slash fiction where the Bible and the Torah hook up. Now, according to the morality police who arrested Masa Amini for not having her hair sufficiently covered, she died a few days later of natural causes and they have the footage of the arrest to prove it. According to her father and other witnesses, the police are doing exactly what police do around the world when caught being policey, which is fucking lying. I asked them to show me the footage from the police officer's body cameras. They told me the cameras were out of charge. I asked them why you didn't transfer her to the hospital earlier when she collapsed at the police station. And they said the ambulance's key was lost for 20 minutes and they couldn't find it. Can you believe this? I still cannot believe she's dead. I don't want to believe she's not alive. I cannot. They have not sent anyone with her from the police station to the hospital. Nobody knew who she was in the hospital. I'm glad my son followed her to the hospital. Otherwise, we would have lost her. The authorities made up a lot of lies. Iranian state media are saying she had health conditions before. But that's a lie. The medical report was full of lies. The doctor told me they would report whatever they liked. I went to the medical office a couple of times. They didn't let me in. Masa Amini's death has been, for many Iranians, the last straw. And they've taken to the streets to protest against oppressive laws. (laughs) 
Demonstrators in Iran push back against authorities in Mashhad protesting the death of Mahsa Amini. Angry crowds confronted security forces in several cities. In the capital, Tehran, protesters have called for an end to discrimination against women. The Iranian president, Ibrahim Raisi, was just at the United Nations, where he gave a speech to the UN General Assembly, in which he focused on the most important issue facing Iran today. Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, spoke in front of the UNGA for the first time and advocated for a stronger Iran, calling on former U.S. President Donald Trump to, quote, face justice for the assassination of the former commander of the Revolutionary Guards, Qasem Soleimani. And the leader that descended into the arena of the fight against terrorism was no one other than the beloved late martyr, General Qasem Soleimani. That's right. Not, you know, the lifting of sanctions against Iran or continued concerns about human rights abuses and the ongoing protests, but the assassination of an Iranian general two years ago. Which means he'll have some strong words about the current protests in 2024. Raisi's other biggest concern that keeps him awake at night was brought up during an interview he gave to American news TV show 60 Minutes. Do you believe the Holocaust happened? That six million Jews were slaughtered? Look, historical events should be investigated by researchers and historians. There are some signs that it happened. If so, they should allow it to be investigated and researched. So you're not sure? I'm getting that. You're not sure. Apparently, he's willing to accept there are some signs that the Holocaust happened. You know, like the millions of dead people, concentration camps, detailed historical records, mass amounts of unquestionable physical evidence, and the testimonies of masses of people around the world still alive today who were either victims or perpetrators. Maybe there's a reason Ibrahim Rahisi doesn't like when people point out historical facts about mass murders that definitely happened. As a young man, he was part of a committee that oversaw mass executions in 1988. He's believed to be personally responsible for the executions of over 3,000 political prisoners. So it was likely that's what he was going to be asked about by British-Iranian journalist and CNN's renowned international news reporter, Christiana Manpour, in their scheduled interview. Except... At the very end, they come up with this... You know, it's a religious month of mourning and we need you to wear a headscarf. And I very politely declined on behalf of myself and CNN and female journalists everywhere because it is not a, a requirement. And it was lobbed at us at the very last minute. And very unfortunately, they decided to pull, you know, pull the interview. Since then, the protests have increased in size and violence, with several protesters dead and the internet and cell phone access shut down in parts of Iran, which has even resulted in Elon Musk offering to move his Starlink satellite internet service over Iran, because nothing fixes a crisis like Elon Musk getting involved. Pretty soon, half of Iran will be pregnant with his babies with numbers for names, and he'll be calling protesters pedos for rejecting his ideas. One of the big criticisms of the world's response to the protests in Iran has been, well, a lack of response. Joe Biden did wake up just long enough to issue this tepid line of support as he mumbled his way through a United Nations speech. We stand with the brave citizens and the brave women of Iran who right now are demonstrating to secure their basic rights. Meanwhile, Iranian protesters around the world are demanding an end to the authoritarian regime. 
Here's Iranian-American journalist, author and women's rights activist Masi Ali Najad speaking at a protest rally with the passion and gusto that Joe Biden hasn't expressed since his youth in the 1860s. Protesters in Iran have been fearless by pulling off their hijabs and burning them and cutting off their hair. Videos filmed by demonstrators show women burning their headscarves or hijabs and cutting their hair. So where is the support for these women? Why aren't they the top news story on every news channel in the world? Well, actually, they mostly are. At least in the major Western nations. America's CNN and MSNBC have multiple Iran stories leading their YouTube pages and social media, as does the UK's BBC. And even Australia's ABC has multiple stories up there. Not as many as there were about the Queen's funeral, but nothing will ever match that coverage in the history of the ABC. There's analysis, breaking news, detailed coverage, really everything you would expect a story of this size and magnitude to reflect. Where you don't seem to see any of it at all, however, is on any of the major news networks run by Muslim countries. Qatar's Al Jazeera has one small story in the last two days. The United Arab Emirates-owned Al Arabiya has only one story as well, as does Turkey's TRT World. It's almost as if countries that rely on authoritarian religious extremist governments to maintain power don't want a news story about a revolution being led by women demanding freedoms to become too well-known. Even if you head over to social media, where Muslim TikTokers have garnered millions of followers, one of the most popular posts doing the round right now is by a Pakistani TikToker. When are you people going to realize this? Burning your hijab roaming around the cities half-naked is not helping you in any way possible. The entire world is already against us because of the fact that we, Muslim women, cover ourselves. We wear hijab. We're not like everybody else around us. And you are giving them that peace. You are giving them that by taking off your clothes and burning those hijabs. Because you're literally going against your religious beliefs right now. Burning those hijabs, taking off your clothes, roaming around the cities naked is not helping you in any way possible. I'm going to say this again. So apparently the women burning their hijabs might be giving ammunition to critics of Islam and not the Iranian government that has been killing those women. That's like Iranian women saying Iranian lives matter and a Muslim coming along and saying, um, actually, Muslim lives matter? See, I know I'm a man and as such, it's probably not my place to tell women how to protest or how not to protest. I mean, I can have opinions about it, but no one should give a damn what they are. But this is my podcast. So fuck it. Skip 30 seconds if you want to avoid this. In fact, I will try my absolute best to keep this at exactly 30 seconds so you know how much to skip. Starting now. 
If any white person had said the same thing, right now we'd be pissed at them for telling Iranian women how to protest or for telling Muslim women how to protest, etc, etc. Hell, even right now you can go on social media and find lots of people saying this isn't the time to indulge in Islamophobia and that it's about women's right to wear or not to wear the hijab based entirely on their own choices. And that is all correct. But Muslims cannot demand everyone respect their right to wear the hijab when they themselves don't respect the right of others to take off the hijab. If you won't stand for the freedom of others, you don't deserve be free yourself, you asshole! Alright, 33 seconds. Look, I tried, alright? Putin's got a cunning plan, news now. Speaking of giant flaming assholes, Russia's Vladimir Putin continues to quadruple down on a bad idea by calling up reservists for the first time since the Second World War, while also making nuclear threats. You know, I'm starting to think this guy is really serious about this whole invasion thing. In his televised address, Mr Putin accused the West of occupying Ukraine and engaging in nuclear blackmail. And he again warned he would use all means to protect Russia, including nuclear weapons. So he's trying to occupy parts of Ukraine and engage in nuclear blackmail while claiming the West is actually occupying parts of Ukraine and engaging in nuclear blackmail. Basically, Putin's entire military strategy is saying, I know you are, but what am I? What's next? He'll say, I'm rubber, your glue, what you say bounces off of me and sticks to you, and then pull the West's ponytail during recess? It's not just nuclear war he's threatening them with. In his televised address, Putin also made it clear he's now at the throwing of the kitchen sink part of his invasion plan. To defend our motherland, its sovereignty and territorial integrity, for the security of our people and on the liberated territories, it is necessary to support the proposal of the Defence Ministry and Chief of General Staff to announce a partial mobilisation of military reservists. Except it turns out those military reservists would much rather stay in reserve. People fleeing that country a day after Vladimir Putin called up 300,000 reserve troops to fight in Ukraine. It's the first such call-up in Russia since World War II. This shows a time-lapse of flights leaving Russia yesterday on a flight tracker website. You can see here many flights going to Turkey, Armenia, Kazakhstan, where Russians can travel without a visa. Others are hitting the roads. Look at this. The video shows long lines of cars waiting to cross from Russia into Georgia. Officials in Finland report a similar thing at their border. So basically, Russians are now escaping to countries that Russia has already failed to successfully invade in the past. See, that's the problem. If you look at history, Russia is bad at invasions. They tried invading Finland in 1939 and lost badly. Then they tried invading Afghanistan in 1979 and lost there as well. In fact, the only thing Russia is good at is defending itself from countries that have invaded it. Like when Napoleon tried to invade in 1812 and lost so badly, it was eventually what led to his exile. And when Hitler tried invading in 1941 and lost so badly, it is what eventually led to his being dead in a ditch on fire. So Putin's mistake was invading Ukraine because Russia is bad at invading. But Putin also thinks Ukraine is already Russia, so technically he's invading Russia, which never ends well for the invader, which in this case is Russia, invading Russia, while being invaded by Russia. Look, it makes sense in my head. This is either the dumbest thing I've ever said or the most insightful analysis of the entire Ukraine-Russia situation that you have ever heard. 
That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. As always, you can support the podcast by heading over to iTunes, leaving a five-star rating and a strong review for the podcast. I also appreciate everyone still leaving reviews under Chaser's podcast by telling them how much better News Weekly is, as well as the Chaser supporters who are now doing the same on my podcast as well. It's a war that's going on and it may not be up to Ukraine-Russia standards, but damn it, we're getting there. Oh, and one final thing, I know the situation in Pakistan isn't really in the news headlines anymore, but it is still very dire over there. We've been taking donations. Actually, at this point, Newsweekly listeners and supporters and Patreon listeners and supporters have now donated up to close to $10,000 to the ED organization. That's just based on the receipts you all have sent me. So there might even be more than that already. But if you want to keep doing that, please head over to donate.ed.org. That's donate.ed.org. ED.org. The ED Foundation is a very trustworthy and reliable organization that does a lot of good work over there in Pakistan. They take their donations in US dollars, so you just have to do a bit of a conversion in your head for however much you want to donate. That's donate.ed. That's edhi.org. Otherwise, I'll see you right back here next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. <laughs>